This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. I'm gonna throw it in a circle for the Lord and Savior. Oh, no. I'm gonna twerk. Selena, you ain't ever threw it in a circle for God. So that was a, what, is that a gospel twerk it's song? It's called Twerk for Jesus. I heard of that, but I didn't know it was a real thing. Selena, do you love the Lord? Yes. Then why aren't you throwing the don't twerk for Jesus, Selena? You know what? Where's Brother Dalton? <laughs> exactly. We need some anointing oil in here because Stanley didn't lost it. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes. <laughs> Throw oh your Bibles God. in the air like you just don't care. We yes. are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Are you wondering what you're hearing? You are hearing the Lord's love all over the 808s. This is Stanley Fritz. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can find me on Instagram at Stan Fritz. You can even find me on Snapchat when I double back to look at that post, but I don't post anything because I'm only there for the filters. And I got some Negroes in this space with me. Who's here? Well, good morning, guys, and welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Of course, this is the show where we talk politics, a little foreign policy, a lot of trap music, and social justice every Sunday here at WHCR. But if you're listening via podcast, shout out to you because you can find our show on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. My name and Potomatic. And hmm. iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. All the places. Oh, all every places. place. Every place. So subscribe to us. So my name is Selena Hill. On Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at Miss Selena Hill. Shout out to all those who are watching via live Instagram now. Calligraphist, Tiamari, Alex. Yeah. Well, well, not this one. You got a friend named Calligraphy? <laughs> no, cal- well, Calligraphist. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, he, well, that's obviously that's not his government name. Oh, it isn't? No. Oh, all right. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yo, so shout out to you guys. I'm not going to be able to hold this the whole time, so I'm shout happy you watching now. Shout out to my homegirl, TI83, <laughs> listening to the podcast right now. All right, Stanley. You. <laughs> you actually don't see her because you're looking into the <laughs> I, future. I got my computer screen right here. So we have a great show lined up. Um, before we get to what we're talking about, we have two very special correspondents here, starting with Alex J. Turner. What's going on, y'all? It's uh, You better Alex speak Turner. into that mic. <laughs> 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 Alex Turner, a.k.a. Alex Finance NYC. Uh, here to spread some love and bring some good energy to the show. Can so you I finance know. my rent this month? King? Absolutely. We can talk about it. All right. What? <laughs> okay. okay. Harlem's very own. And we also have Tiffany L. Bizzle. <laughs> so, Tiffany here, Tiff Lizby. I feel like my name is always being remixed. Hi, everyone. I'm excited for the show. It's going to be great. <laughs> okay. Where Short can we find you? Yeah. Short and sweet. Oh, if you can I find me on Tiff uh, Tiff Lizby, T I F F L I Z B. And mm. I'm also on. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, that's the same name. So, yeah, find me there. Okay, so guys, we have a great show lined up. How many of us have watched that Killer Mike viral clip where he was... It was really good. So I literally watched the whole panel at the Revolt Summit. Tiffany is shaking her head. Some of the things that were said on that panel were problematic. Mm. But to me, what they were ultimately talking about was the black agenda. Now, this is a term that we're hearing a lot because we're in an election season and we want to know which elected official is going to really push our agenda. But before we talk about that, we need to talk about what a black agenda should even look like. So that's one of the topics we're going to be talking about. And of course, 6 9 and some other stuff that's been going on. I'm telling Oh, <laughs> what? Snitches get stitches? What'd you say, whoa, Stanley? Whoa, 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 that's violence, Lena. I don't <laughs> know. 
Mm. Anyway, so we have a great show lined up. And of course, you should let your voice be heard. Guys, please go to Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard. And you can uh, listen and watch the show there and also leave comments. You can also tweet us at Be Heard underscore radio. And um, definitely check it out because I'm not going to be holding this live all, all throughout the show. Okay. So we're going to go into a quick break. But we be right back. Oh, you will? We? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, but. <laughs> All I want is, is to see you Twerk for me Bend your back Around WHCR 90.3 FM New York we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, of course, Alex Money Man Turner, and Tiffany Pension Mommy Brown. Let me, can I ask you a question? Sure. I just did. Anyways, guys, <laughs> along. Let me take it back to second grade. jokes. That was like Anyways, second grade bef- right before there. we move on to this amazing show, I need you wonderful people to know that we have another person in this studio and she is holding down the space. Her name is Mariah. She is the litest intern in all the litest of the lits. And even though I said Sydney was a lit turn, I can't give you that nickname, but I will come up with a nickname for you, Mariah. And if you're on Facebook Live or the FM or the SoundCloud or the iTunes, help me come up with a good nickname for Mariah. Baby hair mommy. Doesn't work very well. But her baby hair is on deck though. Y'all see that? Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. It's late. Is it late to the gods, Lena? Is that how you say it? Oh, you yeah. A, you got a separate toothbrush for that. It's, it's definitely slayed. <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's like six bristle brush right there. Like, she's really doing it. All right, guys. So I'm going to throw this Lena because I know she's annoyed with me. But listen, <laughs> it's the news roundup time. We're going to talk about our favorite news stories, things that made you laugh, cry, flip a table, or maybe say, oh, my God, while riding on an Amtrak to Albany because someone whose name I'm not going to mention was teaching white people how to do the blood handshake. And that's just crazy to you. I don't know. Whatever. Let's talk about the news. So, yeah, Stanley is alluding to Takashi 69 who had two days of court testimonies Danny where Dimes. he spilled it all. He was talking about not only his affiliates in the blood gang, but he was talking about Cardi B and Jim Jones and anybody who may have been associated with the blood gang. I mean, Stanley, you know, you and I had this conversation because you're from East New York. Mm -hmm. You also, you know, grew up around gang culture and Mm -hmm. you were basically saying that something like this goes against all morale. Yeah, it absolutely does. Listen, if you are a square, like I am a square, (laughs) stay out of street life. And if you end up getting involved in street life, you have to deal with the consequences, whatever they may be. I didn't see him telling when he was over here carrying bags of weed and putting out hits on people and showing up to old blocks saying that Chief Keep wasn't going to do anything to him. But now he's in court and he's singing higher notes than Whitney Houston in her prime before the crack. So I, like, I just have a, a big problem with that. And... He's putting a lot of people at risk over here. He's over there talking about Casanova's business, talking about what set Casanova is allegedly from. Apparently, Cardi B. They got recordings of Jim Jones talking about him. These people had nothing to do with your case. So why are you talking? Alex, what was your reaction to Takashi 69s testimony in court? I mean, <clears throat> like Stanley was saying, you either in the street or you on the sidewalk. He was, he was really pumping this in the street image. And I feel like that's why a lot of people was really messing with his music. Uh, I think a lot of people try to listen to people they feel are authentic to themselves. And from his background and what he was promoting with his first major single, I know you've seen a video for Gummo. Oh, yeah, yo, that's it's, my it's, joint. It's, it's, it's no question <laughs> what gang he's a part of. Right. You know what I mean? No question. So to me, like, you know, now you're making the whole thing look bad. It's, you know, if, if when you sign up, 
wherever you sign up or post your application or join the Bloods or whatever it may be, you read the rules in the fine print and they tell you. Even people that's not involved in the street life, you know. What's the first rule? No snitching. Mm -hmm. Y'all ride for your gang, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. So him going doing all of this is, I guess he should have went the other route and just, just kept his mouth shut and did the time. But we grown to each his own, man. Tiffany, response to 6 9 um, spilling the beans. Um, when he first came out, everyone was already kind of calling him like an industry plant. So are we like really surprised that he went, you know, and testified against all of these like affiliated like gang members? So I'm not surprised that he did that. And I mean, he wants to come home. No one wants to spend the rest of their life in jail. So hold on, <laughs> hold on. It sounds like so you're not no, okay with it, but no, you I'm understand. not okay. I'm not okay with it, but I understand. Like, listen, like I mean, we're trying to abolish prison. I'm not going to sit here and act like he should just sat down and be like, you know, take it to the chin. Like, we really got to reevaluate gang culture <laughs> in that In what way, Tiffany? I mean, I feel like, you know, it's a lifestyle that they have these sort of codes, but we see how these codes are detrimental. <laughs> People want to don't want to spend 15, 20, 30 years because, you know, they kept their mouth shut. He wants to come home. I mean, go ahead, Alex. I, I was going to say, I mean, as far as I, I definitely agree with what you're saying, as far as the codes, whether it's a legal organization or an illegal organization, they all carry their own codes mm -hmm. that members tend to not follow to a fault right. of, per se, the greater good let's call it. Mm -hmm. But same way with the Bloods. I mean, even there are police officers that follow their yeah. code of conduct that can be detrimental to mm -hmm. people as a whole. So, you know, it's it's not, it's not my bag. I stay out of the streets, man. Right. <laughs> I'm a law-abiding citizen. I got a 9 to 5. You mess with me, I will that. call the police. Word. I don't claim nothing. I will call the police. And I, I need help. I kind of feel like, you know, Takashi knew what he was getting himself into. He was very braggadocious. You know, he said a lot of things. Above even like beyond. Yeah, he, he was like, you know, come get me. I can't be touched. You know? I don't think he took it seriously, but there's hip-hop police. Like, <laughs> they the, listen to the lyrics for these very so, these sort of cases. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing is, too, what I realized with the trial, I, I wasn't really very knowledgeable about the set he was talking about and the people he was affiliated with. He was really with some real street guys. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mel Murda and uh, Shadi. Mm -hmm. they, they're no play play. Mm -hmm. So he really was involved with some real bloods as far as how seriously he took it. That's that's going to vary. So, Stanley, what happens now to Zakashi, uh, his safety as well as his career? He better go to Montana and get all those tattoos taken off. He better go somewhere. Uh, yo, the, yo the, like I knew he was going to snitch, but he told everything. <laughs> he got his whole face tattooed. Yeah. Think about it. Were you in witness protection? What are they going to do about this? He He's told overseas. everything. <laughs> you think he's going to have to get surgery to get all of this he going? He gave them my Netflix password. Like, he was... <laughs> like he. I don't like, I mean, just like objectively speaking, as somebody who is not a part of that life, not affiliated with anything, I don't see how he can return back to New York or anywhere where there are black people. Like, you can't, you, you just can't. He is not safe. Neither is his family. Mm. You saw what happened when Nipsey got murdered. Mm -hmm. They put a green light on that guy's family right away. And that's not even like me talking from like known street code. That was just public information. It was. And then you know you remember what happened to that the girl who um dig defaced um his mural in Connecticut in Connecticut, Crips came after her, so go ahead. Drop. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Do do what you do. Well, we'll have to keep Takashi in our thoughts and prayers. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Mm -mm. I ain't, I'm not thinking about nothing. Sister well, Selena gonna lift him up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Cover him in the blood, Jesus. Dog gonna be um, like, nah, bitch. <laughs> um, so speaking of, ooh, well, you know what? I just want to segue into that that detrimental Sandy Hook shooting commercial. Um, so Sean King, he actually he posted it on his Instagram, and he was like, you know, in the caption, everyone watch this 60 second commercial. 
So it starts off where you see kids um, talking about their backpacks and their school supplies. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, and I have a skateboard just in case I need to escape my classroom. And then this other girl's like, oh, yeah, and I have a cell phone just in case I need to let my mm -hmm. mom know I'm about to die. And like so basically the whole ad was about it's school. Uh, not only when school starts, basically everyone like our children are in jeopardy of being shot and killed from school massacres i mean that that ad to me really touched me i know we live in a, a a shock value type culture but i think we needed to see the true detriment and the reality of this stanley that was a really hard commercial to watch and it caught me off guard because it was on twitter and i started watching it and i'm like why do they want me to watch this school thing and then when the kid was running and i saw somebody in the background fall and i was like wait a minute but the two parts that got me was when the girl had her um, shirt and she was tying it around the mm -hmm. other kid's leg because they were bleeding. And if you look, you can see the shooter walking down the hall. Mm -hmm. And then when the, the sister was in the bathroom crying, texting her mom, that's really hard to watch. But that's the reality. Now, they have bulletproof book bags because mm. white people don't know how to control themselves and they don't need guns. I, I love the commercial a thousand percent. I thought it was, uh, if nothing else, I mean, if it offended people, great. Because this is something real that people are dealing with. And the kids, they're not making commercials. The kids don't have, you know what I mean? They're not, they're not the ones at the forefront for their own safety. So a commercial like this is going to help put a lot of adults in a kid's point of view, real concerns that they're facing. So I, I loved it. I thought it was, it was, especially for parents, a lot of parents are going to watch that and they're going to cringe. And I hope it moves a lot of parents to action to try to, you know, you know, get whatever regulations in place to make the school safer. Of all the places in the world that, you know, safety needs to be a top priority, the children got to be at the top of the list. Yeah, so, so I thought it was great. So Tiamari Whitted left a comment on our Facebook Live. Shout out to Tiamari. She said that commercial was very scary. Tiffany, what do you think about the commercial? Um, the la the last scene with the little girl, I felt like she deserved some sort of, like, Oscar. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, like, that really drove the point home. And granted, it's, like, such an unfortunate issue. Mm -hmm. But I think it also just really highlights when we talk about, like, gun violence, like, the gun industry. And Stanley brought it up about, about how they have, like, um, bulletproof backpacks. And they're showing, like, they're not going to take this really serious. So you need these sort of commercials. Because you shouldn't have to go to school with a bulletproof backpack. Yeah. You shouldn't have to know, like, sort of survival kits or, like, su how to survive during, like, a, a shoot and things of that nature. So I think it's really disheartening because, like, I went to school and I feel like my biggest concern was, like, who's going to get jumped after school? Like, not someone <laughs> coming in and shooting up, you know, eighth period. Yo, so, yeah. I went to school, I went to high school in East New York, Brooklyn, <laughs> at, like, in the period when, like, the Bloods and the Crips was really just getting to the East Coast and it was right. really turned. Like, you yeah. could be walking down the street and get your whole, like, thing lit up just because. I never had to worry about somebody running up in the school, like, shooting up my school. And this is the school I'm talking about where the bloods pulled up to my school, found a student, hit him in the head with a baseball bat, threw him in a trunk, and drove off. And then a bunch of Crips came and held us hostage for hours. I mean, that's not normal. Kids are dying, but it's not just kids. A lot, Everybody's dying now. And then the point that people are not talking about as much than they should be is the fact that a lot of these mass shootings are becoming more and more racially motivated. Like mm. the one that happened in New Mexico, I think, a couple of weeks ago, that was very clearly racially motivated. They were going after um, Latinx people and Hispanic people because they wanted them to leave the country. Mm. This is a real danger. And the fact that people just have access to AR-15s, weapons of mass destruction like that, because they have their goddamn rights, that's ridiculous. Well, Michelle Monique, she left a comment on our Facebook Live. She said, it brings a lot of anxiety to these students. It's real and disheartening. Tiamari Whitted asked the question. She said, how do we prepare our children for something like this? Should we consider private schools? That's what they're getting shot at. The more white kids <laughs> that go schools. there, the more likely they're going to get shot. 
That's like that's not even me being sassy. Yeah. That's just the like school shooters are usually white. And white ju- boys. Just to wrap up this conversation, I would say it's very sad that we do have to prepare our children for a school shooting. They have to be equipped to either, you know, run to a safe place. They need cell phones in case they need to dial 911. I mean, some far right extremists are saying that uh, there needs to be guns in every poli- in every classroom. So in case there is a shooter, the teacher could just pull it out and like <laughs> They in have Florida, like a shootout and, Florida, and shoot a student by accident. In Florida, Come they're on. putting like like big buckets of rocks in the classroom in case a shooter comes, so the kids can defend themselves. Oh, rocks! Oh, rocks! <laughs> I, like, right. I yeah. like that idea. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, that's better than guns. <laughs> rocks! God forbid he got a helmet on now. What? <laughs> dude, like, do you see how these shooters not, be coming? Not like, just they be suited up. They, they, they didn't come here to play. They didn't be in the gym they shorts. They came here to kill. Like, you know what, what was funny? They come I mean, with the Call of Duty fit. I know. I know. Dave Chappelle ain't somebody that a lot of folks like right now, but when he was like these school shooting drills ain't gonna work because a kid that shoots the school up is he's learning everything too and he's like what's the exit again <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> little terry is gonna go well speaking of of detriment and, and yeah, devastating things uh, and students actually mm-hmm. we know that fr- uh, on friday a number of students around the world they protested at the climate strike march i know tiffany was there yes protesting on behalf of climate change. Tiff, tell us what this march was about. So the march was um, led by, it was like the climate strike for the youth. So it was like all over, it was like international. I think uh, one of the leaders, her name is Gretchen or Greta. She's like a young uh, girl, I think, I want to say she's from Ireland. Greta Thornburg. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where she's from. Greta Thornburg, she's from... um, New Zealand, I think it is. When and she's she, 16. And she, like, did this whole mission from, like, New Zealand over to, like, New York City. And she, like, used, like, a sailboat. And it's just also in front of the UN that they have, like, the whole summit to, like, bring attention to climate change. Because if they don't do anything, the planet is going to, you know, self-implode. And this generation is going to really have to deal with it. So I think it was, like, over, like, 80,000 students, like, really, like, flooded Foley Square, like, the financial district. So it was, like, right by my job. So you met up at Foley Square. I was a part of, like, the whole union public sector contingent. And it was, like, really great to see a lot of students. Um, a lot of students, like, they're really sassy. And, like, they're really calling it out. Like, some of the signs where I was like, all right, I see you guys. Save like, Leonardo DiCaprio's future girlfriend. Yes. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they was being real provocative with the signs. But it's true. Like, they are the ones who have to do it. Um, I think the, the Department of Education, they allowed them to have, like, amnesty. So they were able to, like, walk out, I think around like 10 or 11 o'clock to like make their way over to um, Foley Square. So it was really like motivation to see. And it was also a lot of students of color mm. that was a part of it, which I think is important when we talk about climate change and what we need to do because we know our community is going to be impacted the most. They yeah. got permission to leave class early? Yeah. Oh, they corny. Well, I class. <laughs> well, I would just say like, you know, don't get it twisted. Climate change is one of the biggest issues affecting our generation. And I'm really happy that I see so many Gen Z students walking out protesting and really being on the front lines of this issue to combat it. They're calling for justice. They're calling for elected officials who are going to make drastic, extreme changes and policy and legislation, the things that we need in place in order to protect our planet. Without this planet, where are we going to go? What's going to happen? I don't know. You know, white folks probably got a contingency plan. They're going, on, they're going to go to Mars, bring like 15 black people just to make sure, <laughs> just so they can have seasoned food. I got to stop talking. I got a promotion. All right, guys. Um, have you guys been following the Sean King versus DeRay Mekinson beef? Tiff, don't look down like that. 
<laughs> so here's what's been going. That's on. Your, those are people. <laughs> they are. They are. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna run away from that. So Sean King has been like he's had a lot of accusations thrown his way, including the fact that he people are saying that he has taken money that he's raised for um, people who had families who've been victims of police violence, and he was getting an award from Rihanna from her organization, and a lot of people were making noise about it. The Ray Megasin put out I think like a ten page thing piece on Medium, responding to it and calling the out Ray Sean and Netta. King. Netta did it too? They did it together. Oh, I didn't know they did it together. Mm-hmm. My bad. Um, and then um, afterwards, Sean King responded with another piece responding to him, and they've been beefing on the socials. But I want to point out that like there have been activists who have been saying that Sean King has been taking money for a while. Black um, women have black been women very vocal. Um, Sean King put out a report like showing where detailing where his money went, and folks weren't happy with it. And like right now, what you see in this movement is like two people who are like, I seems to be like the most paid attention to folks fighting over this, but this is a larger fight and a movement about accountability. So, like, have folks been paying attention to this besides me and Tiff? What do you think? Well, Tiffany, what is your response to that? Um, I'm going to try to keep it as politically correct as possible. Um, I think Sean King takes up a lot of space and he sucks out a lot of energy. I do think that there are some scammerness to him. I don't know if it was directly or intentional, but I do think... Um, that he has done some missteps when it comes to organizing around Black Lives and Black Lives Matter. And I do think he's truly making money off of black pain. Um, and I know some of the women directly that have been impacted by Sean King. Um, in regards to D-Ray, I think you could say similar things about D-Ray, but I never heard D-Ray being accused of actively stealing money. I do think he may be an opportunist in like the limelight. But I think when it comes to Sean King and, like, the cloud of mystery that arounds it, I feel like if there's, like, smoke, there must be some sort of fire there. And I don't think that report that he released is true accountability because everyone that was on a part of that report were all of his friends. Like, they were, they, so they all had a bias or a connection to him. There was no real outside factors that was attached to that report that he released. I mean, the only gripe that I have is why bring this public you know it sounds like two ex really good friends and colleagues are you know just publicizing their business i mean we're all in the movement i mean they're both strong advocates and leaders for black lives matter and i just think it's sad to see all of this come out to the forefront it just seems like internal fightings and i mean like isn't this the stuff that kind of you know dismantled the civil rights movement i want to get alex's voice real quick in here yeah no i'm like you were saying, I, I think with a lot of people that are trying to bring forth positive change, the accountability as far as the finances, that's always been a big thing. Like as far as like a Red Cross even. So, you know, with him, I wouldn't say it's anything unique. But I guess it beckons the question for me, what standards do we have for people that make a living off things like this for how much we feel they should make? What kind of wealth they should be allowed to personally accrue? Uh, how much of that should be transparent? Because we don't ask these questions. Even him as an individual, we we ask those questions about him because you know it's a finite person that we can point to. But when it comes to uh, save the children, save the dolphins, save the whatever, are we as involved in where each penny goes? Because mm-hmm. a lot of these organizations, if you even saw just their budget for travel and advertising. You give them $1, how much of that just goes to travel and advertising? Right, right there, right. you might feel a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's so for true. somebody like him, I say to myself, if this is how he makes a living, who's to say what's appropriate for him to say, this is for my pocket to continue doing the work I do, and this is directly towards the causes? Great point, Alex. We're going to wrap it up with Stanley. Yeah, full disclosure, I know Sean King. I've worked with Sean King. Every experience I've had with him has been good. He's shown up for the work. He has like been a good ally. He's amplified things when we asked him to. 
with that being said, I think it's really dangerous when folks ask for accountability and we take that as an attack. And mm-hmm. like personally, like I know a lot of the people who did our report, I trust them, so I trusted the report. But like Tiffany knows people who have been impacted by Sean King. So if and, and both both things can be true. So what Sean King should do, in my opinion, as somebody who's not connected to that, is just get, do an independent report, show your tax forms, and like be done with it. That's what I think, and I don't, you know, I don't know why that hasn't happened. Like, I think it's gotten to a point now where, like, maybe he feels like he could, like, he can get, you know, God herself to come down here with all the receipts and people would still have an issue. Because there are still people over here dragging him saying that he's white. When, like, <laughs> seriously. Like, people are saying that he's, like, he's white. And it's like, are we really doing this? So, like, so, like some, at least for me, sometimes that's why those attacks have, like, felt like kind of like. Because it's like, get the same person who's questioning his race and just, like, show up disrespecting him. So how can I, be, like, how can I trust you when you're mm. saying he's stealing money? All right. But, like, if you want to end that, just, like, be accountable. Like, put out a report, an independent report, and show the receipts. On that note, before we go to break, Kleana Bliana just left a comment about the Sean King DeRay McKesson uh, battle. She says, I've never paid attention to black cis men and the Black Lives Matter movement uh, or the movement for black lives because this movement has started and is rooted based in queer black feminism. Good point there, Kleana. Yep. Maybe we're just putting too much energy towards these two black men who happen to be, you know, at the forefront and the face of Black Lives Matter. Uh, on that note, we do have to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking about the black agenda and what that means. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. I don't really got that. Don't discriminate. I just sneak up. Hey. What you gonna buy me, beloved? <laughs> Empower yourself, black That's queen. That's a whole other topic. We gonna... Expand on that. We, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. You were hearing the Ebony and Ivory version of Let Your Voice Be Heard when the blacks take over. And Selena's going to be having a conversation with you about the black agenda. Yes, Selena. I am. Yo, you should see Selena's face when I said that. She was like, excuse me, Stanley. <laughs> no, no. All right, guys. So um, right. there's been a lot of buzz around Pete Diddy's Revolt Summit in Atlanta earlier this month, especially a clip of a panel that featured T.I. conservative commentator Candace Owens and Killer Mike that went viral during a heated debate about Trump's Make America Great Again slogan. Now, the clip is very profane, so we actually can't play it on the radio, but I'll, I'll give you a rundown of what happened. So during the the, uh, the debate, T.I. challenged Candace Owens to explain when America was actually great for black people. He said, and I quote, when you say make America great again, which period are we talking about? The period when women couldn't vote? The period when we were hanging from t- trees? Or the crack era? Which period in America are you trying to make America like again? Ooh. So in response... <laughs> Candace Owens attributed the slogan to Ronald Reagan, and she attempted to argue that America was the first country to end slavery. What? No, they weren't. That's when Killer Mike jumped in and dismantled the entire uh, debate, saying, what y'all are seeing right now are free people arguing over who got the best master. Killer Mike went on to note that America was great for black folks, during the seven years following the civil rights, uh, the Civil War, primarily because of their accumulation of land and because they were highly skilled laborers in demand. So Killer Mike also addressed Candace Owens' anti-immigration rhetoric, saying, and I quote, You have to remember that people that look like you immigrate too. So before you widely say F them all, America's going to have to 
America is always going to have a slave class. And if um, illegal or legal immigrants won't be the lowest paid workers, then those in prison will be. And that always ends up that always ends up looking like one of their sons. So it circles back around. So another talking point during this panel was about the black agenda, which is basically an itinerary that centers around issues and solutions directly impacting African-Americans or the black community. However, at times it sounded like during this panel, uh, people, especially Candace Owens, were uh, talking about a black economic agenda that pitted African-Americans and undocumented immigrants against each other. Now, the black agenda, it's a term that we're hearing a lot from uh, from black leaders, celebrities and activists, especially in light of the 2020 Democratic primary. Um, so on this episode of Let Your Voice Be Heard, we're going to discuss, define and maybe even debate what a black political and economic agenda needs to be moving forward. And I want to start this conversation going back to Killer Mike's viral clip at the Revolt Summit, because when I first heard it, I was alarmed simply by the fact that he was using the term illegal to describe un undocumented immigrants but then i heard the entire hour-long panel and i realized he was actually combating xenophobic language that uh, candace owens was using in order to make a, an argument for a black agenda and a plan that is rooted in economic sovereignty so that was pretty much like my take in a nutshell tiffany what was your reaction to killer mike's soundbite how can i be first <laughs> um so i watched the clip actually right before we came on to the show and I feel like Killer Mike, he has this whole, you know, like, black agenda in terms of, like, buying black and banking black. And I initially thought, because when we were, we were talking about I initially thought um, he was, like, pitting undocumented folks against black people. And I think he was trying to bring home the point of, like, how undocumented can, like, potentially undercut, you know, uh, I would say a citizen's, like, work mm -hmm, or, like, mm -hmm. how much they can make or something like that. But when it comes to, like, Killer Mike or Candace, I feel like it, when you have people with huge platforms that don't actively work in the movement or the work, I feel like they can be kind of dangerous and they could just spew out things and say things, but they don't have anything to really back it up and show. And I feel like that entire panel, I said, was Tamika on there? Yes. She was? Tamika Yeah, she was all the way at the end. So I don't, but, but the whole exchange, you really can't really see her. But I feel like outside of her, I feel like a lot of them, they don't have chops in organizing and do yeah. real impactful work in the communities. And they also are multi-millionaires. And the person who put this whole uh, uh, summit on is a billionaire. And I just feel like, why are we on stage talking about what black people can and cannot be doing? I also feel like Killer Mike contradicted himself. He was saying how like black people, we gain things and then we get pushed back. And like, we're just not acknowledging that we are living under a system that is rooted in systematic oppression. So there is a black agenda. We could put forth a multitude of things and we have seen that. We have seen successful black people, but we also have to know that there's a other factors that are operating against us it's not just black people are not financially aware it's not just black people are you know lazy or this and the third it's like we have to acknowledge that there is a system that is main the main cause of the system is to oppress black people and other marginalized groups alex what was your response to the clip um i agreed with so much of what he said i'm i'm a avid proponent that the progress of our people is going to lie in part with economic empowerment. I feel like we, a lot of us, don't realize how powerful our dollars are. And it, statistically, we have the lowest net worth amongst the races. We typically have the lowest paying jobs and we have the highest spending. On an individual level, if we all had a, 
a plan for ourselves that we could collectively utilize in terms of like, let's say we all have a plan for ourselves. Okay, I'm going to spend less. I'm going to try to make more. The more resources we have, I feel like the more we can try to change as far as the system that you were talking about. I think a great sign of that is the uh, Revolt Alliance. I mean, the Reform Alliance. Great example to me of a lot of wealthy individuals, some of them black, utilizing their dollars to bring about change to this system. So a lot of things Killer Mike is talking about I agree with as far as empowering ourselves, spending our money amongst ourselves. I think a lot of it makes so much sense. Uh, at the time period he was talking about when he felt like America was great as far as uh, blacks kind of empowering themselves. I think the reason it went that way is because it was a time where we had to. It's almost like we had no choice but to try to get our own land so we could have a place to be, so we could have a place to try to raise our kids where we literally had nothing. Nowadays, I don't feel like the same sense of urgency is there, even though a lot of the same topics affect us directly. Before we get to Stanley's comments, Cleanna Bliana just left a comment saying, Candace is a clown and she took a huge L when she compared and attributed MAGA to uh, Ronald Reagan like he was a friend to us. She's a huge clown and continues to embarrass OG. herself. OG. Stanley, response to Killer Mike's comments. Um... Well, Kenneth Owens wants to be white so bad, mm -hmm. even though the NAACP helped her out when she was 17 years old and a bunch of white students threatened to kill her and left her threatening voicemails. But I guess she don't remember that kind of smoke because she want to be one now. And she got um, money from that. Yep, she got some money from that. You got some money from that racism, sis. Send that back over here. Um, Killer Mike's comments about that seven years after the Civil War Reconstruction. Yeah, he makes a good point. That's when there was a lot of progress being made in the black in, in black communities for a couple of reasons. One, black people were taking over and running for office. Two, there was a lot of unclaimed property in America. So a lot of cities and towns got made, like Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, like um, Africa Town, I think it was called, and all these different places. And pe black people were starting to build wealth. They were building wealth from nothing. But we have to, we can't forget what happened. Black people didn't just get comfortable and get lazy. That's not what happened. What happened was white supremacists and white people got mad in general because black people were getting too much power and they started passing laws to explicitly hold back black people. A couple of things they did, they made vacancy laws so that if there was more than three black people standing around for no reason, they could throw them into workhouses and jails and put them right back on plantations. They reinstated the Ku Klux Klan and those folks started harassing black people who owned mm -hmm. property. They took land from black people. They would go to black banks and literally take the money and shut it down. Th those are the reasons that that stopped. Because once they saw that black folks, even though you said they had freedom but gave them no property, no education, and no resources to survive, they saw that even though they were surviving despite those things, that they had to implement new policy to make sure that they kept their control. And that has only continued to happen since then. Mm -hmm. So, like, let's be, like, very clear mm -hmm. about that. And if you don't believe me, look at what happened to Black Wall Street where you had a lot of black wealth in one place and they firebombed mm -hmm. it. And they have done it to hundreds of black communities all over the world. Even Central uh, Park. Yeah, and, you know, I would just caution because when, when Killer Mike said that's a time where America was great for black people, I actually caution against that because America was never great for black people. We have never had equality in this country since its inception. We were either slaves or, or extremely oppressed even today. I mean, yes, like uh, there was progress being made when it came to black people, but you could still be hung, shot, and killed, and murdered without any accountability. It was never, this land was not created for us. It was created for our oppression. 
And we've been fighting and striving ever since, which is a testament to our own resilience. Mm -hmm. You know what else is happening during that time? Black people were dying in droves because they weren't allowed to go to whatever hospitals they had at that time. And they had basic like ailments that they didn't know how to treat and they wouldn't provide doctors for them. So they were dying. And the, and the idea was that black people were dying because they could not survive without being slaves. So they were going extinct. Mm-hmm. That was that wasn't just like a thought process between mm-hmm. a handful of people. That was widely felt. Well, um, on that note, we are going to have to take another quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a black agenda and what it should look like politically and economically. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Kleana Bleana is on fire. She just left another comment on our Facebook Live saying black capitalism is still capitalism and is a wheel that will still crush some of our people. We need to find systems outside of capitalism for our communities to thrive. Thank you so much for those comments. Keep them coming on Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard. We're having a discussion about the black agenda and i want to know what should that even look like alex when it comes to you know politically economically what should a black agenda entail i think the black agenda should focus on the places where we're being treated the most unfairly first so one it has to focus on prison reform we we can't be free we can't make progress we have to at least be out to be able to make progress another one two another two very important ones Housing and food. Because of redlining, we end up in some of the worst areas uh, with some of the worst health concerns. We end up with access to the worst food. Where they live, what they eat, and being free. Those three things that we have to address. And the the fourth, this is in no order because they're all of extreme importance. Education. You knew better, you would do better. We do not know oftentimes what to how to one let's say english how to communicate properly our feelings and thoughts and emotions so we can express to people what needs to be changed two simple mathematics that would go so far in the world in terms of uh mortgages uh aprs and interest and percentage rates that would help people understand how debt affects them versus how investing will help them simply not even understanding these concepts is not going to help us move forward but uh, those are some places we can start. Let's be free. Let's have a place to live. Let's be smart. Let's get some good fuel in our system. Those four things to me is at least got to be four of the pillars of the black agenda. In a nutshell, Stanley, in a nutshell, what should the black agenda include? Reparations. Oh, cut the check. Cut yeah, the check. it's as simple as that. Cut like you need multiple, you need multiple reparations bills. Let's like let's be clear about that. So first off, off the rip, you need reparations for the for the American descendants of slaves, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, they got to get their reparations. Then you got to give reparations to indigenous people who were here before all of us. Then you got to give reparations to the black people who have been here and who have suffered from the criminal industrial complex and all that. Then you got to mm. give reparations for Jim Crow. Then you got to give Caribbean people for reparations for going over and destroying their lands and colonizing them and giving them, like, propped up presidents who have helped to push racism and slavery even further, like in places like Haiti and Dominican Republic and Jamaica and so on and so forth. So we need all those things. We need universal housing. We need universal health care. We need free college tuition. Thank you, Stanley. Tiffany, what would your black agenda look like? My black agenda would look like definitely starting off with reparations for all the examples that Stanley said. I would also say health care definitely has to be at the top for me. I feel mm-hmm. like we are dealing with generational trauma. You have a lot of like mental health issues that we really need to address. 
Um, I will also say education. I work in the public sector. And though I think most, if not all of us, we are all college educated. And I don't think you need college by college to, you know, make you do need college extensions to have more money. But I just feel like it just widens your act to have access and availability in different networks. I would also say housing is very important. Like Alex said, we live in some of the worst areas and we have some of the poorest, like, you know, access to food. And I would also just say, like, you know, wealth inequality. Like, we really need to address that, like, real um, livable wages. I, on my way in, I was listening to, I think, NPR. And it was talking about, when we talk about, like, the wealth gap and we are, like, um, people who are, what is it called? You're not, like, underemployed. Like, people have two and three jobs. So we really need to address that issue because a lot of our people are working poor. You know, right. they, they live check to check. So we really need to address that. So that would be my agenda. Thank you for that. So it seems like the room really agrees about reparations. However, during the revolt summit, that panel we were talking about a, a few minutes ago, they brought that up. And T.I. made a great point. He said, based on, you know, the Constitution and just legal laws that we have in place now, black people couldn't get reparations because we're not necessarily a nationality. Black is a race and you would have to have a nationality. You would have to have a flag. You would have to literally have some uniformity around that before the government issued reparations. So change the law. Well, well, you know, no, 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 I mean, I mean, well, no, but let's just acknowledge the fundamentals of it. Like we're calling for reparations, but we have to understand what that means. Another point that came up during the revolt summit, someone said, hey, you know, when it comes to a black agenda, why don't we just push a black party? Why don't we push black nationalism? Why don't we have a flag? Why don't we have a language? Why don't we have these key things set in place so that we can unify and actually get stuff done? Is that what we need, Stanley? All those things are already happening. White folks ain't gonna like I mean, that. Yeah, like all that. All <laughs> <laughs> those things are already happening at different levels in the different spaces so just find out about them get involved in them then also we got to remember that not all black people have the same politics or ideology a lot of black folks think that i'm too far to the left i got some black folks who think i'm in the middle so you see our faces yeah but it's like that so we really have to have a conversation about what we really want and even though we had to speak as a people we had to understand that not all people are going to be with us I'm sure Candace Owens will take, will happily take her reparations check, but she'll be kissing white man's behind while she's doing it. Uh, I'm sorry. I think it's going to take uh, a lot of our, I don't want to call them leaders. I call our cultural influencers. I think it's going to take a lot of them to coordinate to begin for the rest of us to coordinate. Now, when I say who are the influencers, the people that we readily keep tabs on what's happening with them for whatever reason. Our Jay-Z's, our Beyonce's, the people that have a large network of people they can reach in a short amount of time and that people will give an ear to. I think if a lot of them coordinate, it would be that much easier for their fans to then start to put rationale to what they're saying and decide if they want to be a part of these type of things. Um, well, Tiff, you have anything to say about that before I no, go? go ahead. I don't trust Jay-Z with this. No. Jay-Z can't even stay loyal to one black man. Why would I trust him to stay loyal to a whole mass of them? Oh, um, we don't, I don't need like content creators or quote-unquote influencers. I trust community organizers and mm -hmm. activists, the people who are on the ground who are doing this work. The Haitian Revolution, Haitian has had multiple revolutions, and they have always, almost always fallen back into the same neoliberal racist policies that were ruling them before because the people who led those revolutions were nothing but people at the top already who just wanted some slight changes to, to consolidate their power and maybe make the masses feel a little bit better, but they have not really done much to help everybody. So I don't need Jay-Z to go strike a deal with Donald Trump so he can get a couple of artists from Rock Nation, some new concerts, and then give money to some Blue Lives Matter groups. 
I'm with you, Stanley, but I feel like the larger point that Alex was pointing out was just that these people have a lot of cultural capital. And honestly, Mm. like Stanley, you're an organizer and a community activist, right? Your platform isn't as large. If you were someone who was consulting with Jay-Z and could get in his ear, he could use that platform to do much more good than you possibly at this time in your life. So I think that what we're saying is that we have we have cultural icons who have they, they set fashion trends, they they determine our economic dollars, they mm-hmm. determine the music, they literally determine how we speak and dress. Why not help why not use them or have them be the people put in place for us to make some real cultural gains in this country. Because that's not the pathway to liberation. When you put your energy behind a black messiah, so to speak, or cultural icons, those people are fallible and they will let you down and that undermines the movement. Look at what happened when Martin Luther King was assassinated. The Poor People's Campaign crashed and burned. Mm -hmm. If you want a real movement, the movement has to be so strong from each individual person that if one person falls down, we can keep on moving. It's not to say... I'm sorry. Sorry. No, no. So, like, that's why community organizing is important because like there's nothing that Jay-Z could bring to the table besides money that Tiffany can't well that, I, I mean that, that, him being a billionaire and having that money goes really far yeah and he's signing checks with the NFL and, and cooning for them so how much help has that been well he's just <laughs> an example but go ahead um, I, I, I definitely I, I hear what you're saying Stanley but I don't think the point is for us to put all our belief in him I think it takes people that have a large audience to be able to spread the right message. I think the ideology, the right ideology being put forth to as many people as possible is going to help people's brains get going to think about these topics. I'm not saying follow whatever Jay-Z does, but with the right messaging, he can get a lot of people behind some of the core issues that affect us. Um, Tiffany, we do need to wrap up this conversation. But before we do, what needs to be done to bring in uh, these ideas we just discussed into fruition and have it actually pass into legislation? We need to hold elected officials accountable. And it's beyond, you know, just voting and going to the polls. Um, On that panel, you saw a lot of people who were cultural, you know, creators or content makers, whatever the case may be. But like I said, you did not see organizers, people who are on the ground. uh, uh, Tamika Mallory's an organizer. Excuse me. Besides um, And the other guy, the the light-skinned one. I'm sorry, I forgot him. He had the two braids. He's also an organizer. So we had two organizers on that panel. but when I say, when I'm saying organizers, like if you look at Stacey Abrams, like even after she lost her election, she created a, a group that's really focusing on reenfranchising people to vote. So I feel like we need to focus on things like that when it comes to engaging people into the politics and when it comes to, you know, making sure our agenda is going to be passed. Because I think a lot of people, they get comfortable. They depend on the Jay-Z's and the Sean Kings and maybe the Tim Morales that have these huge platforms for them to solely do it. And that's it. And I feel like we need to be actively talking to the people because I feel a lot of us like even us right here we have a certain amount of privilege but that's not trickling down I feel like a lot of them subscribe to some type of uh, some type of trickle down liberation that if I'm doing this it's somehow going to benefit the lowest person at the bottom and it does not and that was the same critique in the civil rights movement that it did not help the poorest black people a lot of middle class people will help or people who have access and privilege but the person who was constantly being harassed by the police you know the mother that's working two jobs like they are not feeling those impacts of a Jay-Z NFL deal or a revolt panel. Like, they need to have real people that are in the community. 
to your point, Tiffany, Tamika Mallory said more than once on that panel, we need to have people who are most marginalized in this conversation. Right. She called for the strippers. She called for the scammers. Exactly. She called for the people who are still impoverished to be there because she is someone who is on the ground and who knows what's going on and, and actually speaks to these people in these communities. Stanley, uh, well, Alex, wrapping up uh, last uh, in, in the last 30 seconds, um, what needs to be done to bring this into fruition, pass this into legislation, and just your final thoughts uh, pass uh, into legislation as far yeah, as like meaning to get this a law to get politicians behind it to get you know some type of bill sign that would guarantee black liberation um we're we gonna have to get the right people as allies and it's gonna take some time i, I think starting with a uniform agenda uh knowing what we want i think is going to be the first key and then getting the right people behind that is the second thing and for us to know exactly what we want, it's going to take some conversation amongst ourselves about where we want to focus. Some people, their biggest plight in their life might be police brutality because it affected them the most. Some people, it might be housing because of where they live. Some people, it might be, you know, health because their grandmother might have cancer or something of the sort. So figuring out what our top issues that affect us negatively are, getting that on paper. And then two, figuring out how we can get our people access to the best. And when I say the best, the best of everything, the best education, the best housing, the, the best food. How can we get access to some of the best that white people have been accustomed to, to the point where it's just their norm? Stanley, uh, last final thoughts in 30 seconds or less. During the Haitian Revolution, one of the pieces they don't talk about is the role, the role that women played in that revolution. While the men were up in the mountains and they were fighting and fighting the French and then the Spanish and then the French again, um, the women who were still in the plantations were fighting the slave masters and fighting soldiers, luring them into these plantations and then murdering them and then like taking over the plantations so, to, so that the men can come back. And when the war was over... They gave men with property the right to vote, but they didn't give women the right to vote. They didn't give women any power. There have been over 25 revolutions in Haiti since that first revolution, and it's always been influenced and helped by women, and they've always been blocked out of it. So it had the poor farmers. And every time, those same people are the ones that topple the, the power structure. Maybe we should stop looking at the charismatic leaders and start looking at those women and start looking at those farmers and start looking at those people who are at the bottom, that they don't know the big words, they don't have a good prose, they don't write the think pieces, but they fight the wars. Absolutely. And I'll just close out by saying this. In order to get what we need to see done, we need to create and unify around a black political and economic agenda and only support politi political candidates who are aligned with it. And once they're in office, as Tiffany said, we need to hold them accountable. And to me, my black agenda looks something like what the Movement for Black Lives released a few years ago on their policy uh, a, a, a policy platform. It was an end to capital punishment. It was an end to money bail, mandatory fines and fees. It was an end to mass incarceration and criminalization of, of black people, the end to mass surveillance of black communities, and also uh, the, the end to um, the harassment of black immigrants. That's something that we couldn't really get into today. But I feel like, you know, black immigrants, black people and brown people, we're literally in this together collectively. And if we come together and fight, then we could oversee the powers that currently be. On that note, I want to thank everyone who tuned in and chimed in to let your voice be heard today. Please continue to support us on Patreon com that's patreon.com slash be heard radio with your financial support you will continue to support us as we support the issues that you care about thank you and we'll see you again in two weeks